Ha, ha, ha. That is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of The Complete Works Season 2, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the world according to Jeff Goldblum is my friend, co-host, and fellow Goldblumaniac, Mike DiCriccio. How you doing, Mike? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm excited uh, for today's episode, actually. I think this will be... Be a little fun one. Yeah, I think this is a, it's almost like a bonus episode, honestly. Like the, the actual yeah. content of what we're talking about. Yeah, we're uh, recording on a Sunday. It's a, it's a weekend. It's yes. A, it's a little short, little romp of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, this is neither a movie nor a TV series. It lies somewhere in between. Uh, and we will be talking about that in a second. First, did want to mention that, uh, you know, last week, we talked about Independence Day Resurgence, uh, the Roland Emmerich film, the sequel to Independence Day. And uh, we had to mention, of course, that Emmerich has a new movie out right now called Moonfall. And when we recorded the episode, I had not seen Moonfall. Mike, I have now seen Moonfall. <laughs> ah, so you can answer the question, what if the moon fell? What if the moon fell? And I can tell you, wouldn't be good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Confirmed. Glad. I'm glad Roland Emmerich uh, took the time to experiment with that thought <laughs> and determined it'd be bad. Exactly. Yeah. No, Moonfall is out right now. I went to go see it yesterday and I really think I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it, I almost enjoyed it on the same level of Independence Day Resurgence, where I was like, a lot of this is like maybe not great. A lot of it is kind of dumb, but like there's just some, something about the gusto behind it. You know, yeah. it, it full heartedly believes everything that it's doing, you know? <laughs> Okay. And, and Emmerich is very good at creating that gigantic CGI destruction, uh, which is prevalent uh, throughout Moonfall. Also, so many of the story choices are like insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a truly bonkers movie, especially in its second half. Uh, and I think we talked about that a little bit with Independence Day Resurgence, where like, oh, there's some like weird shit going on in this movie. There's like a lot of like strange story choices, like with the sphere that's actually a refugee from an alien planet, and now it wants right. the humans to lead the resistance against the aliens. Like it just goes nuts. And Moonfall takes that those like concepts and like multiplies them by ten. It's it's genuinely out of this world insanity. Uh, and I can't, I have no choice but to respect it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a great movie by any means, I don't think, but it's one that I really enjoyed watching. And I think especially seeing it on the big theater screen, uh, getting all that huge destruction, gigantic in my face, uh, was pretty great. I will say I try, I, I smuggled a beer into the theater nice. uh, to watch it. Uh, and I did not get to drink it because I was surrounded by families. There was like an eight year old kid on crutches sitting next to me. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel bad popping open a beer. <laughs> Like yeah, in here. So it's just like sitting there in my pocket the entire time. And that was kind of a bummer because I wanted to like, you know, have a beer and watch the moon fall. Is that not the dream, Mike? Is that not what I think, we want to as a society? I think the founding fathers were thinking of that when they uh, wrote the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you know, we have the unalienable right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and also drinking a beer while watching the moon fall. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to quickly say I enjoyed Moonfall. I think it is maybe slightly better than Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, so okay. take that for what it's worth, because uh, <laughs> your mileage may vary based on that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing it. I just I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So uh, one day, maybe we'll talk about Moonfall and Mike might go to the movies. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk about it in discussions on that podcast at some point down the line. Uh, but we're not talking about Moonfall today, Mike. We're not. We're out of the world of Roland Emmerich right now. You may return to the world of Roland Emmerich next this week. I'm Mike might go to the movies, actually. <laughs> yeah, correct. We're, weirdly enough, there's been a lot of Emmerich talk in the podcast. He's the new Tony Scott, I guess. Um, Whoa. We'll never come for the king like that, Mike. <laughs> but this week, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to provide context for the thing we're talking about today. And it's sort of difficult because today, like I said, it's not a movie. We're not talking about an ongoing TV series. Today, we're diving into a 40-minute mockumentary comedy special whose own existence seems like it's part of the joke. Like the fact <laughs> that it exists yeah. <laughs> is, is itself a little bit of a joke. Uh, but let's, let's back up for a second here and just say I am in general a huge fan of The Lonely Island. Mike, are you a Lonely Island fan? Yeah, yeah, broadly. I'm not, like, super familiar with all of their things, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. I was obsessive <laughs> about Lonely <laughs> Island. Uh, the year I started watching SNL regularly was when I was in, like, sixth grade. It was the year that Andy Samberg joined the cast. Uh, so I was there at the beginning of their rise, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I watched Lazy Sunday when that first came out. 
Um, yeah. Like, I, I had that episode taped on DVR, and I refused to erase it for the longest time because I was just watching it over and over again. Incredible. <laughs> so it's weird because normally with SNL, like, I don't remember specific episodes all that well. Like, I remember, like, the individual sketches, and, like, you see them in montages, and it's like, oh, yeah, this sketch. I remember, wow, with this host, this is great. And then with that one, I was like, oh, yeah, that was when Jack Black was the host. Lazy Sunday premiered. Uh, Jack Black also had a Tenacious D do a cameo with the Will Forte Spelling Bee sketch. Uh, <laughs> there is uh, a Sabaro sketch where, like, the wind was super chilly. Like, it was, it's, it's a very good episode. I, I recommend the Jack Black episode of SNL from 2005. <laughs> Incredible. I was going to say, yeah, I think I think the story of today's episode really starts with the lazy with uh, Lazy Sunday. It kind of does. It kind of does. And over the course of their SNL career, uh, Andy Samberg, Akiva Schaefer, and Yorma Tacone's work got bigger and more ambitious. They released three albums. They directed movies like Hot Rod and MacGruber, one of my favorites. They performed a medley of their greatest hits at the Emmys. I mean, there was just no stopping the Lonely Island post SNL. The three of them continue to work together on projects like Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, or uh, the unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience on Netflix. High recommend there. Uh, but they've also gone off in their separate directions. Andy Samberg starred in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yorma Tacone just had the MacGruber TV show. And uh, Akiva Schaefer directed almost every episode of I Think You Should Leave. Uh, oh. So all three of them doing pretty awesome things <laughs> post-SNL, which is pretty great. It's like, you know, he's RZA, he's Ghostface, he's Method Man, but they're still in the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> that's a uh, oh you haven't seen pop star mike have you <laughs> no uh, but <clears throat> that's an incredible analogy though I, mean, that, I haven't that, i haven't seen that that's that's a line from pop star never stop never stopping that's a, it's a lonely island reference that i'm throwing in there that i realized as i was saying it you hadn't seen pop star <laughs> nailed it uh i recommend that you watch pop star it's very good uh and in 2015 the lonely island pr- produced a send-up of hbo sports documentaries called seven days in hell which saw andy sandberg face off against kit harrington john snow from game of thrones in a week-long tennis match uh it was well received so two years later they produced another one and this time making fun of the doping craze in professional cycling and this time around jeff goldblum was in it so we got to talk about it it's 2017's tour de pharmacy the 1982 cycling event of the year there's definitely something fishy going on it was a very fucked up year for bicycle riding. Marty Haas. Yeah, oh, you seem very proud of your homeland. I did it with nothing but my own blood, sweat, and tears, and extra blood. Nearly every rider was on drugs. I'm here with Gustav Ditters. Look like you're carrying a few extra pounds. This is what happens when you train super hard on the bicycle. Adrian Baton, the great French mystery. It was my first time in public as a man. Ho, 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 ho. What a hot chick. And I think I nailed it. The race starts now! The atmosphere is positively electric. Now being passed by an old lady. Cyclists are incredible athletes as far as endurance goes, but a great deal of them fight like little bitches. People dope. Yeah. You know, this is a sport with literally hundreds of dollars on the line and dozens of fans that stakes are medium. So Tour de Pharmacy is presented as a real documentary about a historic sporting event, much like Seven Days in Hell. But it's obviously a springboard for some insane, ridiculous sketch comedy. Uh, after making the first one, uh, Sandberg and the team selected cycling as the follow up because they found there was no there was so much strange behavior in the sport already. So it'd be very easy to exaggerate for comedy. Uh, they actually shot the race scenes over four days. And a lot of it was shot on Betamax and VHS cameras to replicate that 80s feeling. <laughs> Huh, that makes sense. Yeah, kind of a cool thing there. Uh, So Andy Sandberg stars in the special as Marty Haas, one of the cyclists in 1982. But one Jeff Goldblum appears as Marty Haas in the present day. He plays the future Andy Sandberg. Yeah, that kind of tracks. Yeah, I, I, I could sort of see it, you know, a little bit. Uh, we see him in the interview segments looking back upon the race, wearing pretty much the exact costume that Sandberg was wearing in 1982. It's pretty great. There are four other major competitors in the race. You got Adrian Baton, 
a French cyclist who is actually a woman pretending to be a man so she can compete. Uh, she's played by Freddie Highmore of Bates Motel in the past and uh, <laughs> yeah. and Julia Ormond from Mad Men in the present. Uh, Slim Robinson, the nephew of Jackie Robinson, is played by David Diggs from Hamilton in the past and Danny Glover in the present, <laughs> which is actually a three-peat Goldblum reunion, Mike. Do you remember the other two movies Danny Glover was in? Uh, Silverado. Yep. And I don't remember the other one. Uh, the Prince of Egypt was the other Prince one. Prince of Egypt. Okay. Yeah. Silverado right. and the Prince of Egypt. So Danny Glover joining the Three Timers Club. Uh, Gustav Ditters, a bodybuilding cyclist from Austria, is played by John Cena in the past, Peacemaker himself, and Dolph Lundgren in the present, which is incredible. And then there's Juju Pepe, who actually dies during the race, so he has no present-day counterpart. In the past, he's played by Orlando Bloom. Doing like a racist Italian accent in the best way. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm, it's the point. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, from there, James Marsden from X-Men and recently uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, he plays Rex Honeycutt, a BBC reporter. <laughs> My boy Will Forte, MacGruber himself, appears as a French police officer, uh, which actually makes this a Tim and Eric's billion-dollar movie reunion also. Yeah. Yeah, so got that going. Maya Rudolph plays Lucy Flurring, uh, editor of a cycling magazine. Kevin Bacon plays Dittmer Clerken, former president of UCI. Felicia Rashad of The Cosby Show plays Victoria Young, an animator. Adewale Akinoe Agbaje from Lost uh, plays Marty Haas's neighbor from Nigeria. Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You plays Stu Ruckman, head of the anti-doping agency. Chris Romano, co-creator and one of the stars of Blue Mountain State, plays Dolshi, another one of the cyclists. John Hamm is the narrator, which he also did the same for Seven Days in Hell. And uh, actually, director Edgar Wright provides the voice for the British sports commentator. Oh, that's who it is. <laughs> oh, man. I was trying so long to figure out who it is. Were you? Yeah. It's, <laughs> I recognize that voice from a podcast somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and appearing as themselves, you've got Mike Tyson, sportscaster. Joe Buck, NBA player Chris Weber, director J.J. Abrams, and making fun of his own history with doping and cycling, Lance Armstrong plays himself in this movie as well. Uh, so Tour de Pharmacy was written by Murray Miller, who was a writer for shows like Clone High, King of the Hill, American Dad, and Girls. Uh, and it was directed by Jake Szymanski, who worked at Funny or Die for a long time before a short stint on SNL, and then went on to direct movies like Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates and uh, The Package, which is on Netflix, which is a movie about, I think, a guy getting his dick cut off and his friends having to try to figure out how to... <laughs> how to get it back on uh i saw like 20 minutes of it once my girlfriend loves it and uh, I, <laughs> I don't know i didn't i didn't get it uh, maybe i needed a few more beers in me or whatever it was but uh and i the imd plot synopsis for tour de pharmacy reads a mockumentary that chronicles the prevalence of doping in the world of professional cycling so mike going into this you had not seen either seven days in hell or tour de pharmacy i had seen both but uh what were your expectations for this uh kind of going into them and were, um, you, and were you familiar with these at all before we uh did the episode yeah, yeah, I had heard about them, or specifically more Seven Days in Hell. I don't think I really was aware of uh, Tour de Pharmacy as much. But uh, yeah, I knew about them, I, and I knew it was Lonely Island stuff. So like that kind of tells you everything, I guess. You know, like the, yeah. there's a certain expectation around what kind of comedy and, and stuff like that, um, that, that that includes. And yeah, I thought these were both very funny. I thought, you know, specifically Tour de Pharmacy, I guess, is what we're talking about. I thought maybe maybe that was a little weaker. Tour de Pharmacy is a little bit weaker than Seven Days in Hell. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, I watched them back to back and mm. it's kind of the same style of everything as the first one. If right. that sort of makes sense. So it's like, okay, we've got everything. And they're 40 minutes, which is perfect. And then we just kind of do the same thing again when I watch them back to back. So I guess that's a little bit unfair necessarily to to like judge it that way. But uh, still, it's still very funny, still hilarious. All of the uh, celebrity cameos and stuff in Tour de Pharmacy are like on eleven. <laughs> There's so many more of them in this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the way they get to use HBO stuff, I don't know how they're allowed to do It's wild. They, they like they get to use the real HBO sports people <laughs> um, and everything throughout this. It's like and to lend that like air of like, is this maybe real? And yeah. then and then like Jeff Goldblum shows up and you're like, oh, OK, no, it's not. Um, right. So that's a lot of fun. But yeah, overall, overall, very funny. And, and the kind of just like stream of consciousness aspect of it that happens throughout where I think, oh, actually, I think this one is actually in Seven Days in Hell, but the whole court illustrator <laughs> who does like Disney style, like yeah. animation, like courtroom animatics. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a five minute aside about the history of Swedish courtroom drawings. Uh, <laughs> 
is hilarious. Um, and yeah, there's stuff throughout that uh, tour de pharmacy like that also, like Nathan Fielder as the uh, the doping agency guy showing us his paintings of what it feels like to be on different drugs. Yes. And the first two, he's sucking a bear's dick and the cocaine is different because the bear is sucking his dick in that one, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, and it's all that kind of humor. You know, if, if you like uh, Nathan for you, Lonely Island, uh, all that kind of stuff, I think you should leave. Uh, you'll you would love this because it's all the same people. Yeah, so there it is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I was a big fan of both of these specials already. Uh, I, I, you watched Seven Days in Hell first, I guess, and then Tour de Pharmacy. Yeah, just because like that's how they came out. So I was like, yeah. whatever, I'll watch these. Yeah. That ma- that makes sense for me. I actually rewatched both of them as well, uh, and I watched them both back to back. But I watched Tour de Pharmacy first, hmm, and yeah. then Seven Days in Hell because I was like, well, Tour de Pharmacy, I'm actually doing the podcast on, so I got to take notes for. And then like afterwards, I had I had some time to kill. I'll watch Seven Days in Hell. And I had the opposite thing where I was like, oh, maybe Tour de Pharmacy is the one that I like more. Uh, but I think, it, I think it's also because, like, yeah, we watched them both back to back. And uh, if you watch them for like an hour and a half straight, the joke wears a little thin. But like that 40-minute yeah. special, <laughs> it's exactly. great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of both of these specials. And, uh, you know, like I said, rewatch them both for maximum preparation. Uh, and also because it's easy, because like I said, they're both 40 minutes long. And yeah, I think I prefer Tour de Pharmacy. I think this movie, this one just has like a more chaotic, insane energy to it, which I appreciated. There's so like there's so many random weird asides. And Seven Days in Hell has that, too. You know, you watch Seven Days in Hell and there's the scene where uh, like the streaker goes on the field yeah. uh, and <laughs> Andy Samberg starts having sex with the streaker. And then the male streaker comes on the field and he starts having sex with him, too. And then they're all like all three of them are just having, yeah. like for like hours straight during the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the entire stadium like applauds them when they leave. <laughs> Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's incredible. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, I think they both do just a great job of presenting themselves as like an actual TV special about an actual historical sporting event, which also happens to be completely ludicrous at every single turn, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I kind of love this idea, like as the like legends of sports or whatever is like the supposed series. These yeah. are, I hope they do another one of these. I don't know. It's been a while. When did this come out? 2014? This was 2017. So 20, 2015 okay. was seven days in hell. 2017 was toward a pharmacy. I kind of thought that they would, um, you know, at, yeah. like after the, I thought seven days in hell was a one-off and then they did toward a pharmacy. And so I was like, Oh man, they should do another one of these every two years. And, uh, they haven't done one since, which is kind of a bummer. Um, they did do, uh, I mean, I mentioned this one before, but the unauthorized bash brothers experience, um, right. which is a very different thing. Um, that is lonely Island specifically. Like it's just them doing it. Uh, and it's like a half hour music video about the Bash Brothers from baseball uh, with Mark McGuire mm-hmm. and uh, Jose Canseco. And it's great. It's very funny, but it's just not like a documentary like this is. Yeah, yeah. It made me also think of Documentary Now, which was on IFC. And that's a John yeah. Mulaney, Fred Armisen thing, I think. Yeah, I or? think uh, Seth Meyers is the one Seth who like, Myers, I think yeah. it's like Seth Meyers, Fred Armisen, and John Mulaney's like involved with it a lot, of the, a lot of the time too. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Hader and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a lot of SNL crossover people, you know, yes. in kind of both camps. So. Uh, but yeah, it was the same same type of deal. Which have you ever watched Documentary Now? I've only seen like one episode. You know, I actually uh, Documentary Now is a show that I've been like meaning to watch forever um, because I've heard it's like incredible, and I just have not gotten around to it. And I feel like I, I feel like I should because it's like right up my alley. <laughs> you know, yeah. every episode is supposed to be like this loving riff on a specific documentary and about going through like this like, crazy extreme and all that kind of stuff. It's filled with people that I love in it, uh, but for some reason I have not watched Documentary Now. I think because I want I had a, an idea in my head where I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the extra work i'm gonna watch the documentary for first they're parodying and then i'll watch the documentary now episode incredible uh, yeah i only watch that takes forever <laughs> i only watched the first episode which is the gray gardens episode of documentary now and i'm pretty sure i remember it turning into a uh like vampire movie at the end <laughs> it's like a incredible. Haunt, haunted basement vampire <laughs> monster movie uh so, you know, ch- check out documentary now, I guess, if you're interested in that. Fair but it's enough. weird that there's this, this kind of like weird alt comedy legends or whatever you want to call it. I guess, I don't know. Can you be alt comedy on SNL? Um, I, think you can, I think you can be. I mean, you feel like a, I mean, I think Andy Samberg and Lil Island kind of started out yeah. that way and then be kind of came, became mainstream. But I think now you've got like Kyle Mooney on mm-hmm. SNL doing like weird alt stuff and that kind of thing. I guess Will Forte just as a person. Um, That's true, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like those people coming out of SNL and doing like specifically documentary stuff. I don't yes. know, there's something so specific about the form and the conventions of documentary as opposed to like sketch comedy or, or like narrative comedy films or whatever. 
that uh, just makes it feel so much weirder, like just strange, like yeah. outright strange. Definitely, yeah. And uh, most of the cast in this on screen for like maybe two minutes. Like they, yeah. it's like I said, it's forty minutes long. There are a lot of people in here, um, but everybody gets like a moment to shine or like a line that made me really laugh. Like everybody gets like a moment that's like really hilarious. Um, you mentioned Nathan Fielder showing off his paintings. That's incredible. Uh, John Cena and his cheetah blood, I think, is also <laughs> yeah. incredible. David uh, David Dig shouting, "Fuck Jackie Robinson." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is the best and uh, also I talked about this I think with you after we did the podcast last week but J.J. Yeah. Uh, Abrams talking about Juana Man um, is something that like it's like a second in the movie like I, I didn't realize how short it was yeah <laughs> but he's just like talking about like uh, when when it's revealed that uh, Adrian Baton is a woman and J.J. Abrams is like and that actually set off a whole wave of uh, cross-dressing sports films and he starts listing off a bunch of them and he's like Juana Man you know is one of the best Juana Man is arguably the best film just <laughs> <laughs> just stops. It's like, I, I think it's just so funny that like JJ Abrams being like, "Yeah, Juana Man is the best movie ever made." <laughs> Correct. It's so good. Um, but of course, Jeff Goldblum is in toward the pharmacy, Mike. So we should talk about him. Uh, what did you think of Jeff Goldblum as the future Marty Haas? It's weird, interesting how uh, well Jeff Goldblum is able to play just like an absolute douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because the whole the whole like goof of Marty Haas throughout the movie is that yeah. he is the first African to be competing in uh, the Tour de France because he's the child of a diamond, blood diamond mine owner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he's a white guy that lives in Nigeria uh, and has never interacted with like the local Nigerian population. Right, they talk about yeah. like the private boarding school he goes to and like all this stuff. Uh, and he just makes that his entire identity that he's African. And Goldblum plays that off so well. <laughs> In the, in the like the present day interview stuff, he yes. just looks like such a scumbag. Uh, well, he's, he's got hilarious. like the, he's got like the African hat and the shirt, like the like the you know super colorful like hat yeah. and shirt and everything. And, like the entire ensemble that he has is so incredible. <laughs> yeah, and the sunglasses that he's got, everything about him, and yeah, it's very funny. Which makes it great when they cut to like the the next door neighbor guy in Nigeria who's always just like fuck Marty Haas, and then the <laughs> the like. Guy walking by in the background is like, yo, are you talking about Marty Haas? Fuck Marty Haas. Uh, <laughs> so funny. It's such a great bit. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, I think Goldblum's a delight uh, in this movie. I think he's really like it's just really funny. And you know, he ha- there's absolutely like zero effort to connect his performance to Andy Samberg's performance, like At in all, any way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's like part of the joke, too. Just like Andy Samberg grows up to be Jeff Goldblum, because why not? He is just the same character 35 years later. Uh, you know, like like you said, that's kind of their thing. They're the first African cyclist to be entered into the Tour de France. Uh, and yeah, they, the idea that he is the son of a diamond mine owner, like he has one line where he's just like, Is is there no honor among blood diamond thieves <laughs> <laughs> and the, when he's accidentally saying the lines from africa by toto like the lyric. oh i'm not familiar uh, yes you know you could say i i blessed the rains down in africa <laughs> yeah <laughs> which actually there's a speaking of moonfall there's a africa like the, the movie opens with like patrick wilson in space singing africa what? Um, he's but he's like singing it wrong. He's like I sing I miss the rains down in Africa, and Halle Berry's like it's it's bless the rains. He's like what? Uh, and then like that's like a character moment ten years later is like he's get like, the fuck out of he's here. He's like oh it is bless the rains down in Africa. I looked it up. Amazing. <laughs> Which by the way I, I don't think I mentioned it before, but uh, Patrick Wilson is in Moonfall. Oh, <laughs> gotta work in the harp sound right there. So Beautiful. gotta gotta throw that in. Can't forget the Patrick Wilson joke, Mike. It's got to it's got to go back in there. Um, but how do, how do you think this role fits into the Goldblum roles that we've seen so far, Mike? Fits in with the other comedy cameo stuff. Not you know he's not playing himself in this. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say Bill and Ted, but that's not Tim and Eric. There we go, <laughs> Tim and Eric. Although Goldblum would kill it in a Bill and Ted movie, he would crush it. Tim and Eric, uh, Run Ronnie Run, uh, those kind of movies. Um, and I forget there was. I feel like there was other ones where he's playing himself, and they all, have all left my brain. You know, I was I was kind of looking for more because I also felt that way. <laughs> I was looking for more of them and couldn't really find them, <laughs> uh, which is a little strange. But yeah, Run, Run, Run and Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie, I think, is the closest example to what Tour de Pharmacy is kind of doing. Plus, I mean, he pops up in sketch comedy TV shows a lot. I mean, he was in a lot of episodes of Portlandia and that kind of stuff. He's hosted SNL twice, I think both in the 90s. And, you know, also just wanted to say that, uh, you know, this movie is uh, shows Goldblum as a man in the present, uh, regaling his life story to a captive audience where in the past he's played by a different actor Sounds like a lot like uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel to me, Mike. <laughs> Whoa. You're not wrong. So, 100% correct. Yeah, very different movie. <laughs> yeah. I would say. No, same caliber. Same yeah, caliber. same caliber, exactly, yeah. Um, but all right, there you go. So I, I think we should, like, this will probably be a shorter episode because, like I said, it's a 40-minute uh, 
TV yeah. special. Um, but let's start running it down scene by scene. It starts off with the uh, the HBO Sports logo, so it'd make a scene look really official. Uh, mm-hmm. And it shows the Tour de France, 1982. And you get a scene where Orlando Bloom is, uh, you know, he's leading the pack and he's uh, on his bike and he like whips his dick out and starts peeing. <laughs> and yep. you hear the narrator go like, he's peeing, which is a thing that cyclists actually do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as he's like, you know, going and John Hamm is narrating, uh, Juju's heart explodes while he's on his bike. Uh, but nobody notices that he's dead for a while. He's just like dry- riding and he keeps going for like miles on end or whatever. And then he falls off a cliff. Uh, and, you know, there's a line was like, he died with his dick out. <laughs> yeah. And there's the one like spectator. like, oh, my God, I ripped his dick off <laughs> as it fades out to the next uh, like to the next part. There's a lot of dicks in both of these special. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, male frontal nudity going on uh, within both of these specials here. Um, but yeah, so Orlando Bloom dies, and that's the opening scene of the movie. And then you kind of uh, show, you, you flash back a little bit, and you start talking about uh, doping in cycling. And you you see Nathan Fielder, uh, which this is one of my biggest laughs in the movie, in, in the whole special, actually, is when Nathan Fielder is just list, listing off the drugs that is in Juju's system. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, he tested positive for uh, PCP and crack. And then, of course, you can't forget the, uh, you know, multitudes of meth that was in his system. And then he just keeps going on. And it's like, t- like every <laughs> drug is being listed on the screen. Um, and so, like, it starts taking up the entire, like, right side of the screen. And then, like, it starts taking up the left side of the screen too. And then he's like, oh, and he also had like a, you know, a double beef and cheddar from Arby's that day. And the Arby's logo pops up pops on the up. screen too. <laughs> that felt like an actual Nathan Fielder, like Nathan for you joke. That was yes. so like, cause it's the actual logo for Arby's it was so fucking good. Uh, <laughs> And there's a lot of that. It's just like right out of the gate and we're already like cackling. Yes, exactly. Like there's, there's really like no time wasted. They can't waste any time. It's 40 minutes. It's 40 uh, minutes. Uh, so yeah, so they do that. They show, they list out all the drugs in Juju's system and they start talking about the history of doping and cycling. Uh, and in the 80s, Rex Honeycutt starts introducing the players. Uh, so first you get Slim Robinson, who is introduced as the nephew of Jackie Robinson, uh, who has a desire to be like the first black man to do something. <laughs> right. It's like living in Jackie Robinson's shadow his entire life. <laughs> You think that eventually people are going to say, <laughs> refer to Jackie Robinson as Slim's uncle, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, he's, what's, I can't remember, you just said his name, the reporter guy. Uh, Rex Honeycuts. Rex Honeycutt. Oh, yeah, the actor. Um, but he's got such a great delivery when he's just like, I disagree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's James, James Marston, Mike. James, James Marston. Marston, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have uh, Adriana Baton, uh, who, like I said before, she's uh, dressed as a man to compete in the in the race herself. And there's always just like bits where he's like, uh, I think Freddie Highmore is like, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the weirdest thing about cycling is uh, shaving my legs because I've never done that before. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but that, well, it's essential uh, to being a cyclist. And he's like, yes, but it's weird. <laughs> it's strange to have to do it. Uh, which is great. And then you're introduced to uh, Marty Haas, uh, who, like we said before, is Goldblum. And uh, so Andy Samberg in the past, and they're interviewing him. And that's when he has the I bless the rains down in Africa line, <laughs> which is great. And you have Goldblum kind of reflecting on the race as uh, as he's talking. The first ever African cyclist. Marty Haas. Africa, what's Marty up, Haas? Africa? Feeling strong, ready for the race. Woo! Oh, I was, I was just uh, psyched, psyched, psyched to be there. You know, representing Nigeria and all my Nigerian brothers and chicks. Marty's father owned a diamond mine near Nigeria's capital, where he went to an all-American private school. He rarely associated with actual Nigerians. At a young age, Marty established himself as the country's best cyclist because everyone else was on bicycles made out of wood. Here in Nigeria, we hate. Marty Haas. Marty Haas would walk into a bar, then he would go over to the jukebox and put on Bob Marley legend and be shouting African music. Jamaica is not in Africa. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's good. It's we're kind of we're getting through everybody. Uh what's the what's the last one? John uh, Cena, right? Yes. Which is hilarious. Yeah. And they show the before and after pictures <laughs> between John Cena before doping potentially. Yeah. Uh, allegedly taking steroids. Yes. And still and still like denying it in the present day. It's Dolph Lundgren in present day. Right. Uh, and yeah. still like denying, like, oh, I never took any anything anything in my life. And you know, after after that, like somebody like all 170 riders in the race were doping, especially that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is great. Uh, and this is also around the time you get introduced to uh, the anonymous former pro cyclist who is Lance Armstrong. 
yes. uh, reflecting on the Tour de France in 1982. Uh, which, uh, how did you feel about the Lance Armstrong cameo in this, Mike? Because obviously Lance Armstrong has a history uh, with cycling, was generally considered the greatest cyclist of all time, uh, and then had his own doping scandal, had like all these steroids that he was using and stuff, and then was kicked out of the kicked out of the race in disgrace. Right, that was the whole right. thing. I, th- I think he had even his wins stripped from him or something weird. He had some like something like that. Yeah, shit happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, felt real weird. Not sure I liked it actually. Really, um, I okay. think it. I think the stuff they do with it is funny. Like the like, you sure you can't see me thing. Like as they open the door and turn the lights on, like yeah. all this stuff uh, is funny. But like. The fact that it is actually Lance Armstrong is gross and weird, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I enjoyed that bit. Like it's just it, it it is very funny what they do with it. Um because yeah. it is just like it's a silhouetted like person at first, uh, and then he like takes out his phone, and you see like the phone light illuminate his face. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just like how it escalates every time it cuts back to him, where like you know the like there keeps getting more and more light in the room. Somebody like opens yeah. the curtains, and it's like, wait, why did you just open the curtains? Like, oh, it's just such a beautiful day outside. We still can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we can't see you on the monitor. It's fine. Yeah, and then like, well, we, we can give you like a coat to hide your shape, maybe. He's like, yeah, all right. And he just like is wearing this like big fluffy white coat. Yeah, uh, and then later is like wearing a cowboy hat also, which <laughs> is yeah. pretty great. Uh, so yeah, enjoy that stuff. That was pretty and then funny. there's one really funny one in the credits uh, where there it's that scene where they're like, yeah, we'll we'll hide your shape. We'll put something on you and then yes. give him a bike helmet. <laughs> it's like, it's I like think that might be more recognizable with the helmet on. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> Just pretty good. Um, but yeah, so you get, you get all introduced to all your main characters here. Uh, and then we have one of those asides that uh, you were talking about, Mike, uh, where really to understand doping uh, in the Tour de France, we have to go back and talk about credit cards in Finland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I guess that we, and then they show this commercial that this bank in Finland produced, you know, presumably, yeah. um, that is like a, a guy and he like drops milk on the floor and spills it. And you see this woman like come up to him and like a single tear goes down her face. And then it cuts to them in bed and he's going down on her. It's a credit card commercial. Yeah. And it's like pay it forward or whatever, like pay your debt to, to you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. And then it's just like analysis of that commercial for the next two minutes. Yep. Like, why is she drinking milk in bed at the end? We saw him clearly spill the milk at the beginning of the commercial. How much time has passed? <laughs> Maya Rudolph's thing. Like, first off, why is performing oral sex on his wife seen as paying back a debt? Uh, like, all this stuff. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, yeah, and then we get Kevin Bacon, which is he's might be one of my favorite parts of this. Just oh, yeah. his, his little <laughs> tiny role as the president or whatever he is. Yes. Uh, and he, him not understanding how credit cards work, racking up all this debt, <laughs> and offering the bribes to the cyclists to not test them for doping, which is how every all 170 contestants <laughs> are doping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that is the reason why they had to show the commercial, is because Kevin Bacon uh, is the head of the UCI. He owes $16 million <laughs> to, right. to this credit card company. So yeah, he tells all the players to pay him $50,000, and they won't get drug tested, so they all you know take drugs. And then they cut back to the race. It's like day one of the race, and I think Juju, is uh, not leading the pack, but he's in there. And, uh, you know, there's this, like, one woman who's like, ah, Juju. And it's like, and Juju goes in for the grope, and he crashes. And he, like, cr- it crashes and, like, knocks down a bunch of players. Like, there's a huge, like, a 20 or 50 bikers just, like, all down at once. Uh, and then there's a big fight that breaks out among all the bikers. Yeah, we have John Cena just holding a naked guy above his head, spinning him in circles. <laughs> yes, that's the guy just from Blue Mountain State. Balls flopping around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Him, you know? Yes, which is great. I mean, this was around the time like uh, John Cena. Like now, we think of John Cena as one of our finest comedic actors. Twenty fifteen was when he like popped up in Trainwreck and he popped up in Sisters, and it was like, oh man, he's really funny. And then like as the uh, years kind of went on, he popped up in this, and uh, you know he's lifting. Like he just, it feels like he was somebody who would just like do anything for a laugh uh, at yeah. a certain point, and he was doing that. And like the year after this, he had Blockers, which was very funny. And uh, you know now he's in the Fast and Furious movies, and he was in Bumblebee, and now he of course is Peacemaker. He uh, was it was in the Suicide Squad, and he's on Peacemaker, which is also a very funny show, uh, and he's very funny in it. So uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see the evolution of John Cena as a movie star, uh, especially as like uh, like you know The Rock was like the wrestling movie star for a while, right? Yeah. He was the guy, and he still is like one of the biggest stars in the world. But I feel like his persona has gotten very boring, and he doesn't really do all that much like new within the realm of being a movie star. He's kind of doing the same thing over and over again where it feels like Cena and also Dave Bautista uh, are like expanding the repertoire a little bit. They're trying different things, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I watched, I think, the first episode of Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Uh, it's good stuff. I'm probably going to watch the rest of it. I, mean, I was enjoying it, which nice. is a su- surprise, you know? I don't know. I yeah. guess I like the Suicide Squad, so I should have known. But I wasn't so sure about John Cena, like, being the guy in a thing. Like, right. He's the lead of that, and it's amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, just watching the uh, the opening credits of Peacemaker and just seeing his committed performance to that is uh, yeah. is pretty great. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so he lifts naked Dolce over his head, uh, and you know, this whole big it's like a dance party fight. They're like, it's cyclists, so it's not like a real a real fight. They're like having basically a dance party in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson being like, as a boxer, I was offended by this fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking incredible. I also loved. Uh, I think it's around this time Mike Tyson's like talking about getting into. Uh, biking and saying like, oh, I used to be a cyclist back in the day, and then some kid stole my bike, and I went to go beat it. I, I went to beat him up, <laughs> and that's how right. I became a boxer. Uh, and then at the end of the at the end of it, you get like the the payoff to that, where like Joe Buck reveals that he stole this kid's bike, <laughs> and some guy came and beat him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so good. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, after this, so, uh, you know, this whole fight breaks out and they're kind of dealing with the fallout of it. Will Forte pops up for like a minute, like just to do this thing as a French police officer who discovers this, you know, syringe that he found. And he's like, oh, well, we believe this is uh, amphetamines. He's like subtitled the entire time. He's speaking French. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we believe this is amphetamines and he accidentally pricks himself with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's just like immediately like they start explaining, well, amphetamines like in its purest form can be like a huge aphrodisiac. And then Will Forte is like, shouting at the reporter with his baton like fuck me with this yes (laughs) i can never every time i see will forte i only think of your story from seth meyers at the the comic-con thing being like (laughs) the funniest thing on earth is will forte screaming yep and 100 percent correct like him just yelling fuck me with this i'm a dirty boy or whatever uh it's incredible he like sticks the uh the baton down on the ground and starts sitting on it (laughs) yeah it's amazing unbelievable that's the only scene will forte's in in this and he like almost steals the entire thing he's so good (laughs) But yeah, and then, uh, you know, Nathan Fielder's like explaining this and he's like, oh, you the, the aphrodisiac thing. And that's when, uh, you know, he's like, oh, and when I was on PCP or when I was on amphetamines, you know, I did some crazy stuff. And they were like, why would you as the head of the anti-doping agency uh, right. have to take amphetamines? And it's like, well, uh, you know, as the head of the anti-doping agency, we have to try every single drug in order to <laughs> understand what it feels like. Uh, and then he takes them through his hall of paintings that he's done while he's on every drug. And like you said, the, like the first two are uh, him sucking a bear's dick. And then like the yep. third one is the bear sucking his dick. So it's like, oh, so cocaine is a very different kind of drug. <laughs> than this one. <laughs> it's very good. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so basically this, this fight basically results like it's it's discovered that uh, this bribing scandal happens like Dittmer, right. uh, Kevin Bacon has this uh, thing where he it's like, oh, but yeah. So all the all and it's revealed that uh, almost everybody paid Dittmer off except for five. And now only five riders are still in the Tour de France. And it is the five that we were introduced to at the beginning. Uh, Marty Haas, Juju, uh, Slim Robinson, Adrian Baton and Gustav. I actually remembered all those memories, which is very that's incredible. <laughs> that's not I'm shocked. <laughs> So they're the only five riders left in the race. They, they start being called the Fab Five. That's, <laughs> not to be confused with the other much more famous Fab Five from the NBA. And then you get Chris Webber sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great bit where he's just like sitting there, like looking annoyed and people like off screen are like, oh shit, this is Chris Webber. He's in the wrong Fab Five. What? It's like, <laughs> it's like, what do we do? Let's just go to the bathroom and then we can wait to see if he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> He's just there, like, on his phone, pissed off. Yes, uh, which is great. Uh, and then they all, like, finish the day of racing, and then there's an after-race massage where they're all, like, together <laughs> in a big room. Uh, and I just love the detail around this. Like, if you see, like, uh, in the back, like, Freddie Highmore, Adrian, Adrian Baton, and, like, the towel is up, up like, above her chest. <laughs> yeah. <it's very laughs> and, like, good. nobody notices. <laughs> Nobody says anything. Yeah, uh, which is great. And uh, the, and Goldblum starts to explain that uh, he has the idea here to take turns drafting. Right. right. So he's like, OK, if, if one person's in the front, it's going to be harder on that one person, but it's easier for the rest of the cyclists. So and with only five people in the race, there's like no incentive to be number one until the last day of the race. Right. So on none of they're all like racing to be at the back of the pack. They don't want yes. to be the one that has to work hardest at the front. Uh, and so they end up like there's that great shot of them like on the on the road and they're all like pedaling and then that one person like speed walks past them like it's just like that one old lady <laughs> out for a power walk uh and she passes all of them is very good yes yeah and that's when he has the line like is there no honor among blood diamond thieves uh right. you know it's great yeah and then uh slim uh during this race i think it's the next day uh slim ends up uh seeing this woman on the side of the road named fabian and uh he- <laughs> i love the introduction to that too because it's slim like on his bike and he's barely moving and yep. <laughs> james varson walks up next to him <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And then they're talking and then he sees this woman on the road and he just leaves the race. He like goes to be with Fabian. (laughs) Yes. He's like, I got to go see about something. And he walks off the road. And they just like leave and go off and have a life together. And then uh, there's a whole bit with Gustav about like uh, there's a a press conference because people think Gustav is doping. And it's like, Gustav, can you ride fast? I can ride very fast. Fuck you. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, is this the cheetah blood thing? Or that's later? I don't know. Yes, remember. no, this is happening now. So that, like, that night, uh, the police raid Gustav's room and they find this blood bag uh, in his fridge. And it turns out it's it's like cheetah blood, uh, which first off, there's like a, like, but to understand like blood doping, we got to show you this cartoon. <laughs> And right, it's, it's like a schoolhouse rock style. Yeah, and it's showing like red blood cells like working to, you know, make the body better or whatever, and then white blood cells show up and they are like white cops who like- uh, They kill a red blood cell. They, yeah. kill, they kill a red blood cell and uh, riots start to break out. Yeah, it, becomes, like the- it becomes do the right thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's it's nuts, and they start talking about it, and they uh, it's like, oh, the an- the animator who made this was actually fired from Sesame Street, and then right. a clip from Sesame Street. It's like, it's like, oh, hey, Zoe, what do you think? Like, man, fuck you. Yeah, no, Huey something. It's like Huey, uh, it's like it's supposed to be Huey Newton from the Black Panthers, right? Yeah, but I forget what the name of the character is, and that's that's Felicia Rashad, right? Is yes, the, yeah, that's yeah. Felicia Rashad as the animator, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, that was, that was a wild sequence. Uh, anyway, Gustav is disqualified from the race um, because it is discovered that he uh, put cheetah blood in his system. Uh, but no one can tell if he's saying the word cheetah or cheater because of his accent. Yeah. It's like, I did not say cheetah. I said cheetah. It's amazing. <laughs> Which is great. And even like when Dolph Lundgren's doing it, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, look, it's really tough to tell with your accent. Yeah. It's what accent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so Gustav is out of the race, uh, and Goldblum has a great line here too, where he's talking about it. And it's like, you know, we're talking about a sport with uh, hundreds of dollars on the line, with with dozens of fans. The stakes are medium. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, and then you get a scene where you see Slim uh, living on a farm with Fabian. <laughs> yeah, he becomes a dairy farmer. Yeah, he's the first black French dairy farmer. <laughs> Yeah, got one. Number one, baby. <laughs> exactly. And so he's like riding his bike but just to deliver dairy and stuff and all that kind of stuff. So now the race is just Marty and Adrian because uh, at this point Juju has died uh, too. Right. Which they mentioned like, and you know that because we showed it to you at the beginning of the film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so Slim, Gustav, and uh, Juju are all out of the race. It's just Marty and Adrian and they're racing back and forth. And then their eyes start to lock and they fall in love with each other. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and they like race off off of the side of the road and they have sex behind the wall uh, and their legs are just like flapping everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly just like rubber legs yeah, flopping like, all over the place. They're like cartwheeling all over and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Goldblum's like reflecting on it and it's like, if I, if I didn't know she was a woman before, uh, I did afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then they become like the first out homosexual couple in yes. professional sports while also simultaneously being a heterosexual couple <laughs> is <laughs> amazing. Yes, they, they become like gay icons, uh, which yeah. is incredible. Uh, and then you have J.J. Uh, Abrams talking about it and he's talking about French sports coverage and he's like, you know, I've always really admired uh, French sports coverage because I shoot it so cinematically and then you see some of the sports coverage and it's like a Truffaut film. It's like a, it's like a Jean-Luc Godard thing. Yeah, it's like partially in reverse and yeah. like all this weird stuff in mirrors and all all that and he's got that amazing line where he's like it's not a uh, the french new wave it's the french news wave wait wait i want to do it again hold on wait i want to get that right <laughs> does another take of it it's very yes good. yeah abrams is great in this uh, he's yeah. really good uh yeah then you get like, the scene uh, you're talking about before where marty's neighbor is talking about uh marty haas and he's like uh you know fuck marty haas and then the, the other guy walks behind him and it's like <laughs> hey you talking about marty haas yeah Fuck Marty Haas. <laughs> uh, and so Marty and Adrian have fall, fallen in love and they tie a rope to their bikes and they plan to win together. That's their plan. Yes. You know, they, they're, they're going to, they're, they're in love with each other. They're going to tie the tour to the tour de France. Uh, and then Rex Honeycutt is riding beside them and he discovers like some, like he gets like, it has an earpiece. Like, hold on one second. Well, that's very interesting. Well, since I rode alongside the entire race <laughs> and since I had to register as a cyclist to be part of this, I'm actually eligible to win this thing. And I think I just might. (laughs) (laughs) And he races ahead of them and he goes up this big jump and he does a backflip. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think it's, I think this is Lance Armstrong who says this. It was like backflips are incredibly rare on the tour, but they do happen. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then uh, Adrian sacrifices herself to tackle Rex, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> kills him. Yeah. Well, that, that's revealed a little bit later. Later. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, Adrian like unties the rope and Marty's like, well, what are you doing? It's like, Adrian's like, no, you must win this Marty. And she goes and tackles Rex to the ground. And that actually reveals to the world that she's a woman um, right. because like her shirt gets lifted up. Right. Uh, and then that talks about, that's JJ Abrams talking about like, and that launched a series of cross-dressing sports films, uh, you know, and Juana man's the best film. Uh, and then it looks like Marty will win the race, but then Slim Robinson returns. Yes. Uh, with, his, yeah. with his baguette and his cheese and his yeah. basket on his bike. 
<laughs> exactly. And so he's like catching up to Marty and, you know, it looks like it's like neck and neck for a minute. And then from a different camera angle, it's like, oh, actually Slim won this very clearly. Uh, yeah, that might by be a, like by, my favorite by a margin joke. of 73 feet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those uh, de- depth of field, like deep focus cameras make this uh, pretty hard to see where they are. And then it draws the line. It's like 73 feet. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so, so good. Uh, and then, yeah, then I also love the line, uh, right? I think it's Felicia Rashad who uh, is like, am I glad a black man won the Tour de France? This is the first I'm hearing about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and Andy Samberg is like, I, I I think it's just a shame that an African couldn't win <laughs> the yeah. Tour de France. Uh, but yeah, Slim is like celebrating and he has like the champagne and he's like, fuck Jackie Robinson. I won the Tour de France and I could make cheese. <laughs> He's spraying the champagne everywhere. Yeah, so great. Uh, and then Goldblum reveals that uh, he actually never saw Adrian again after that. And that's because Rex died when she tackled him and yes. she was sent to jail for 35 years for manslaughter. That one, that reveal is hilarious. Like the picture of Rex on with his head on the rock is very funny. Yeah. But then when it shows Adrian and it like zooms out, it yeah. shows that she's been in a jail cell the whole time. <laughs> It's very good. So, so good. And then that's pretty much the end. It kind of ends with like Lance Armstrong, like just revealing a bunch more secrets under the cover of anonymity because he thinks he's still anonymous. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, man, they would kill me if they knew this was me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it puts his name across the bottom. Uh, <laughs> Which is pretty great. And then it, uh, end credits happen and you get like some clips during the credits. Uh, you have Joe Buck stealing Tyson's bike. You have Andy Samberg talking about a, a nerd shortage in Africa. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good. You have uh, Goldblum uh, describing puking, shitting, and jizzing at the same time, which if you ever want to see Goldblum do that, it's great. <laughs> Tri- yeah, triple play. He almost got one. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then uh, Abrams has this one line. It was, you know, fantastic, and it was synchronicity. It was felicity. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the show that Abrams produced. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Uh, then you get the scene with Lance Armstrong in a helmet. And then uh, at, at the very end of the credits, you have this one clip. Is this an of, outtake? I couldn't tell. Uh, it's it's like, a, so it's the guy who, when Rex Honeycutt does the backflip, you see a guy go like, whoa. Oh, uh, no, oh no, I, I thought there was one more thing. Sorry. Oh, uh, I was, I mean, we'll talk about whatever you're thinking about in a second. But like, or are you thinking of uh, Danny Glover? Danny Glover. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably an outtake, right? Like him, uh, it's, it's like him trying to pronounce Dittmer Clerken's name, I think, right? Yeah. Kevin Bacon's character and like can't get there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he just is like 20 times saying yes. the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly, which is very funny. But then right after the credits, there's the one guy who like watches Rex Honeycutt do the backflip and go, whoa. And then like after the credits, like, well, tour's over. Time to go kill myself. <laughs> and he walks off screen. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, wild. And that is uh, that is Tour de Pharmacy. What a, what a picture. What a, what a good time. <laughs> what a picture. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tour de Pharmacy. I'm, I'm glad we got to rewatch it for the podcast because it's been a few years since I've watched it. And uh, I'm glad I rewatched Seven Days in Hell, too, which we didn't really talk all that much about. You kind of preferred Seven Days in Hell, you're saying, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a little funnier. And it might just be because it's it was the first time, like, just like we talked about before, watching them back to back. The same style of joke gets a little old in the 70th minute, um, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is, they're both very funny, and I guess separately they are very funny. But I think I, I think I liked Tour de Pharmacy. I laughed a little more frequently during Tour de Pharmacy. Or, sorry. Or to, during Seven Days in Hell, During Seven Days in Hell, yeah. Yeah, and I had kind of the opposite. I mean, I think they're both great, but I think Tour de Pharmacy, I, I prefer a little bit more. Um, but Seven Days in Hell is great, too. I think I think having Kit Harrington there, you don't really see Kit Harrington do comedy all that often. Yeah. I don't think ever, actually. I feel like this is the only time I've ever seen him do something that was, like, overtly funny. And he's even, like, I feel like a lot of the funny stuff is happening, like, around him. But he gets, like, some funny lines in that where he's like just saying indubitably over and over again like to sound smart but with his accent and all that kind of stuff it's pretty great it's good stuff yeah and uh what's his name michael uh michael sheen michael sheen Sheen, right yeah (laughs) it's like the the news guy who's like in love with kit harrington right like a weird pedophile thing yeah just makes him lift his shirt and just like stares at him for (laughs) yeah i don't think the camera saw that hold on (laughs) it's very good uh, but yes, that is a tour de pharmacy, which uh, you can watch on HBO Max right now. Both of the specials are available there. And uh, let's get into some letterbox reviews for tour de pharmacy, Ooh, Mike. There I'm are interesting. Some, there are some. First off, it's a four and a half star review from the Poetic Critic, nice. uh, who's a big fan of this, and said, "Road Rage and Roid Rage, they can go great together. It's bracingly rude." Uh, here's a four star review from Karen Han. Uh, These movies are so dumb. I want fifty of them. <laughs> uh, here's a three and a half star review from Nancy. This was full of things that we don't see often enough. Bisexual representation. Full frontal male nudity. 
Jeff Goldblum spinning around in a chair while dressed like a meth addicted uh, 12 year old, <laughs> <laughs> which you do get Jeff Goldblum spinning around in a chair and it's, it's a delight. It's a good time. True. <laughs> uh, here's a four star review from Holly Beth. My son, Orlando Bloom, dying with his dick out. His finest performance. <laughs> uh, and finally, a five-star review from Angelus. This is one of the best things I've seen. I love that it looks so serious, but it's hilarious. I went almost blind to this, and I never expected it to be so chaotically good. The cast, the jokes, the perfect backflips, the parodies to everything, and especially Andy Sandberg's character as a bisexual African that ages to be Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Tour de Pharmacy is an instant favorite. I recommend it to everyone. That makes sense. Yeah. And there you go. So those are, uh, that's the people had to say about Tour de Pharmacy. Again, a shorter episode than usual, but it's a shorter thing than usual that we're, <laughs> that yeah. we're talking about too, uh, which is also kind of nice. But all right. So I think that's going to wrap things up this week, Mike, unless you have any uh, lingering moonfall thoughts that you want to get out there. <laughs> moonfall? I haven't seen it yet. I can't that's, wait. That's true. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to you seeing it just so we can talk about it. Just how insane the back half of the movie truly is yeah there's I'm some wild excited. storytelling choices that uh, that happened there um but all right mike where can we find you online this week you can find me at md film blog on twitter and letterboxd and if you'd like to donate to support the show you could do that at our ko-fi page which is ko-fi.com slash mike and mike pods uh, plural because we have two podcasts and you can find me online at uh, m smith film blog on twitter mike smith film on letterboxd and radio mike sandwich on instagram uh thank you so much for listening to the complete works i'm mike smith that's my decretio don't forget to rate and review the show on apple Podcasts or any other podcast app and if you want to contact us you can tweet at us at goldblum pod you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts about comic books and movie news and all that good stuff our theme song was created by kyle cullen who you can reach for your own podcast themes at kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com and our our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And we'll thank our social media advisor, Danielle Clark, as well. So join us on the next Complete Works. It is time for Jeff Goldblum to show up in the MCU, Mike, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jeff oh, Goldblum is, pop- is popping up in Thor Ragnarok, everybody. <laughs> It's finally happening. It is finally happening. I'm excited to uh, dig into that episode. I believe we're going to have uh, Sam Harper on that episode as well of the uh, yes. Four Minutes Two podcast. Uh, so looking forward to that. That should be a, a really fun one. Jeff Goldblum in the MCU, as everyone must be at some point. You as know. was foretold, yeah. We're waiting for our, our call specifically. I, I feel like we're going to get cast in the MCU at some point, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, gotta, why not? That's got to happen. Everybody else is. Why not us? <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, they have room for like a couple of podcasters just like what what if like at the end of Avengers Endgame there was like two podcasters who were just like commentating on the action that was going on <laughs> oh my god and it was us <laughs> wouldn't that be yep. good yeah people would like that I think so I think I think the uh, the Marvel fans would be enjoying that and this week I'm Mike might go to the movies I'm actually taking the week off I'm gonna be gone but Mike D uh does have something special in the works what are you doing the, this week Mike Yes, I'm going to be uh, joined by a very special guest who's been on a lot, (laughs) producer Colin, will be joining me to keep the Roland Emmerich train rolling, and we're going to talk about uh, the day after tomorrow, which I guess you heard yesterday. Uh, Yeah, I guess that episode will already be out by the time you hear this, but uh, if you want to check that out, definitely recommend. Uh, I've seen the day after tomorrow, but not in like... 15 years probably like it's been a long time uh you know i definitely i had it on dvd when i was a kid like i still have it in dvd somewhere in new york but i have not watched that movie in a very very long time curious to see how it holds up or to hear how it holds up i guess to you it's got a it's got big tnt on mute vibes and i'm real (laughs) excited to find out what that's about yeah fair enough all right so that uh you can listen to to mike and mike the movies and next week thor ragnarok for jeff goldblum thanks so much for listening guys and remember to go for the goldblum